this is David Stone. Uh, this is Ian Stone. And this is a review. That's right, in these uh, strange and trying times, we have had to adapt here on the this brand of things and come up with some <laughs> some new ideas of how to do shows from home thus this is a review now we know a lot of people are going to be watching a lot of tv during these strange and unusual times and so what me and ian did was get together and think what could we do we could review the shows simple as that um it feels as though um netflix and the combined internet streaming service community have released tons of stuff like right at the appropriate time so I, <laughs> conveniently been, i've been watching the mandalorian and disney plus i've been watching all of the simpsons from the very beginning on disney plus i subjected myself to the first couple of star wars films the episode one and two which was a mistake because those <laughs> have aged terribly uh, so yeah there's tons of stuff Sunderland Till I Die, maybe that's another one that I've been enjoying as well that I watched all the way through on Netflix. There's, there's tons of stuff. Well, these are all things that you, the universe, have to look forward to in the future from mine and Ian's reviews. But, Ian, do you want to reveal to them all what we have decided to use as our first source material for this group well, of shows? Well, yeah, I mean, as of, as of um, April 2020, there seems to be two things that are the hot topics of the day um, and they are in no particular order coronavirus and uh, tiger king murder mayhem and madness or whatever the full title is on netflix um and we're not going to review coronavirus obviously no <laughs> reviewing no. tiger king <laughs> Which, well i think um, we everyone can all agree what their review of coronavirus is and that is yeah. that it's crap <laughs> um so that's that review I mean, done yeah i mean i mean not not to um not to spoil anything at um, from the review but this show is insane and it's actually impossible to review without spoiling so if and you it, haven't watched it i'd recommend pausing the recording right now <laughs> and watching the entire series and then listening to our review <laughs> fair enough well it, <laughs> because, is, it has uh, been a, a bright spark in otherwise dark times well i don't know if it's been a bright spark it's been a it's been a distraction i think it's the best thing i can call it yeah i mean it's simultaneously kind of horrifying um enthralling and hilarious at the same time um i'm not quite sure what the exact correct adjective is there is for it really it's um, kind of uh, the way yeah, it's, it's something the way i best described it when i saw the first couple of episodes was that nothing says america like this show quite does it was that you know that kind of meme online you get that's if you if you didn't know how to describe that word watch tiger king and that is it there is one word which kind of i think sums up the characters in this and kind of the whole almost like the whole kind of you know uh, tiger sanctuary private zoo ownership kind of Sub subjects you know that wraps the whole thing together and that's uh, narcissism yes. i think at, at its core kind of the main characters in inverted commas they're all like massive ego <laughs> egotists mm. like i think that's kind of why quickly as the series goes on the focus so quickly goes away from the animals themselves and like it's so quickly the focus is at the center of all of this which is you know 
interesting but kind of a shame as well because in some ways the plight of the animals is almost a secondary concern so i can kind of see that criticism Mm. but then again like you see kind of how the the filmmakers of this has come into this they've kind of seen you know they've gone in there with with this ambition of looking at like the treatment of uh, of like privately owned big cats in in america um, but then this like thread of you know <laughs> murder and, and well, extortion it's, and, it's, it's, inc- it's incredible because yeah. they've literally got everything on camera like yes it that's the incredible thing it almost does play out like a reality show in a way you don't expect the twists and turns and it. it's better than fiction it's it's real life but the fact that this guy was already there making some sort of documentary and then this story unfolded from it is what the most incredible thing of all is and this guy who went out and made this documentary in this team probably thought oh yeah we're gonna make this as you said this documentary about the plight of animals in captivity in america wild animals who shouldn't for all intents and purposes be in that setting but are and instead it's become this well a murder mystery they never intended to make so i've i've um so some this is actually um from someone else on on an internet forum i browse called uh, g arcade who's, who's mentioned this but they were saying um this person was saying that the amazing thing is there's so much footage of this um in this documentary of like crazy things they've just caught on camera mm. and it's not even like the necessarily the filmmakers themselves catching it on camera it's uh joe exotic and friends kind of recording it themselves so for example jeff Lowe interrupting joe's conference call with howard and the lawyers to tell howard that both he and his and his wife can f off Exotics workers getting their arm ripped off by a tiger caught on tape. Chocolates yeah. of expired meat from well, Walmart. Well, <laughs> 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 that's it's, it's almost a trope of these not even criminal mastermind. The trope of the criminal, but they have they're such narcissists that they have to capture every single thing they do, which is what I think yeah. is the the key element to Joe Exotic himself is that he's such a narcissist. Everything he does has to be caught on camera or on tape. Yeah. So every like internet video he does, every phone call he makes, every conversation in an office he has, he has to be on camera or he has to be heard doing it. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, going straight in from episode one, so I haven't got detailed notes on all of the episodes. I'm just going to kind of follow the story as best I can. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, at the start, I mean... The, the background to this is the documentary filmmaker was actually following, um, I think it's a notorious um, venomous snake smuggling outfit or, or snake trafficking um, outfit operating in America somewhere. And then casually, one of the one of the buyers of one of these venomous snakes said, take a look at what's in my uh, in my van. And they go to the van and then there's a snow leopard in there. Hmm. And he kind of almost has to, like follow that thread. And like, mm. that is almost like symptomatic of of what this entire documentary is about, because you have this, you know, this narrative thread that's being continuously subverted by something else. And then there's like another thread which leads somewhere completely crazy and another thread which leads somewhere completely different. And like the first episode almost feels like you can almost see it's It's almost like narratively like you're following like this uh, documentary makers wacky 
journey into the craziness because like the first episode you're kind of you still get the sense that yes this is about you know the tigers and like just talking about the practice in general and it kind of runs through the whole cast of characters but then the craziness seems to kind of gradually take over as the episode goes on and some of the characters seem to get wackier and wackier i do wonder um, if originally it was meant to be just a one-off documentary kind of like in the louis through style you do an hour and a half and you delve yeah. into this thing but each episode of it becomes a new story in itself and a new a new thread to this wacky bizarre murder mystery in which it becomes so it does make you wonder yeah i mean you, you so in this episode you kind of get introduced to the you know the cast of characters you have joe exotic this um it's <laughs> a very charismatic kind of he almost wears his craziness on his sleeve kind of character hmm. um, and he also happens to you know breed uh tigers in his private zoo uh, <laughs> yes um so you know you can kind of i think I mean, with him i think one of the reasons why it's you can see quite easily how people are taken in by him and this series is very meme worthy as well and i think there's a lot of joe exotic defending going on on the internet which is a bit over the top but i can see how people can almost fall for his charisma because there is something weirdly likable about yeah him. yeah yeah okay you can but at the same time like you you learn oh, no. more than yeah. five minutes worth of stuff about these people and they automatically become so dislikable there's literally not yeah. one protagonist in the entire documentary no. series when it's introduced yeah. at the start they introduce uh, Carol Baskin quite early on in the first episode. And you think, okay, she is going to be the protagonist in this. She's going to be the the animal welfare campaigner who is, you know, trying to take him down because he's mistreating tigers. And then about two minutes in, you suddenly realise, oh, my God, she's a weirdo too. <laughs> she's in her... So, I mean, in her case... the. the her place on the scale of kind of like weird manipulatives um scumbag it does depend quite heavily on you know whether she i don't know murdered her husband just to throw that out there um, but at the very core of it at the very least she is very weird and in some ways is a bit of a hypocrite i mean she's in terms of like the park she runs it's obviously not in the same league as as is the others in terms of um in terms of the kind of like exploiting the animals but at the same time it is it is kind of the same thing i mean the only thing she's doing that they she's not doing that they are is breeding and you know having these kind of cub experiences but at the end of the day she's still kind of she's still kind of like keeping these animals in her own private zoo she's still charging people but there's also other elements to her that you besides the main issues that are brought up in the documentary the other the other characters is all of her volunteers that work for her and how they do all of this work yeah. for years and years and years <laughs> without getting paid once <laughs> like yeah. as one thing uh, again her backstory is fascinating enough the, the fact the revelation that came up comes up that her hus- her ex-husband was uh, breeding these animals as well and she oh, was yeah. very much a part of that as well so again yeah. her her story begins to unravel and i think as an overarching theme of the show, it becomes quite apparent that a lot of these people are as bad as one another. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, her husband, her ex-husband is, you know, 
I mean, if you're talking about shady people, yeah, oh, yeah. there's something pretty shady about him. Like, no one knows where he's, you know, he's never explained where he made all of his money. No one actually knows how much money he has. He doesn't like interacting with the police. He goes on mysterious trips to Costa Rica all of the time <laughs> to smuggle the cats. <laughs> but that's the thing. Um, that's why it's better than the film, this thing, because there's not one character who isn't intriguing some way like her oh, new no. husband at the start oh, you think oh he's like some he's like just quite a straight-edged normal guy who she lives with and then like all of this unfolds and you see the wedding pictures and you see the conversations he's had with police and lawyers and her and he, it's like he is a goofy man and also his um when he interacts with her it's like it's not like doesn't feel like the normal interaction you would have with your wife if that makes mm. sense it's like almost sycophantic in the way he talks to her like says things like you are the mother teresa of big cat animal rescue <laughs> <laughs> he comes across really strange even though like of all of the main characters he's probably the most he's probably the least kind of the least i don't know evil yeah <laughs> but still sure. he's a goofy man this this is a review with David Stone and Ian Stone, and we are doing our first review today of The Tiger King, of course. And we've just basically gone into, I guess, the, the different characters that have come into play so far, but we haven't really got into Joe himself, I guess. So if we go back to the very start and talk about yeah. the man Joe Exotic himself. Yeah, so, I mean, the stuff doesn't really kind of get going until episode two i guess like for background so he his story is he um ran for a while he used to run an operation where he used um take like kind of um tiger cubs and lion cubs and he'd go around malls in america and do like a magic sh show mm. and um that would kind of help fund a significant part of his kind of animal sanctuary or whatever you want to call his tiger his tiger farm <laughs> whatever it is um and then I think that's where kind of his feud with Carol Baskin really starts because she heavily went after his uh, his shows around the malls. I mean, there's no real... I don't know how to describe him as a... Without... He's a gun-toting... Yeah, without... Yes, without use... Well, I was about to say... Polyamorous relationships, um, <laughs> which are borderline... Borderline... Um, abusive they're predatory i think i think they come across quite predatory and abusive that's quite clear i think i think it's fair to say it. and yeah it yeah. is very he goes for younger men uh who are always much younger they're quite innocent they haven't really gone out into the world much and yeah. basically and well i guess we'll get into it later but then the revelations that are revealed against his first two husband well, about his first two husbands are quite incredible, really, um, which we'll get into later on. But also, not forgetting, you spoke about the magic show beforehand, not forgetting that he was a, a policeman, a cop, before all of this, somehow, which makes me think, was he a normal human being before all this happened? So or is the vetting process in the American police system that much of a low bar that anyone can yeah. become a policeman. Because I think he was a pet shop owner as well. Oh, with yeah. his brother, and his brother died That's in an right. accident. That's right, and he set um, up the like park in remembrance yeah. of his brother. That's right, yeah. Which is why it's called <laughs> GW... Whatever it's called. So yeah. I can't remember the name of the, of the, of the park, but... Yeah. But episode two is where it really kind of starts 
where where the where where like the craziness kind of really starts to come through. So in episode two, you have the incident with the arm opening the episode where um, one of his um, work is Saf, who I think is actually a transgender man, but they keep misgendering. Yeah, that's right. So everyone, including his closest colleagues including joe exotic are misgendering him throughout the entire thing uh, <laughs> yeah. which was only revealed afterwards um, yeah i mean but yeah i mean and that as, as as a person he's kind of like typifies the kind of person that i feel like joe was employing on in in the parks like someone who was down on uh, their luck someone who was like yeah. at the at down their luck yeah um and uh you know so it's kind of almost how they get away with kind of like paying these people <laughs> so little mm. um to kind of like dedicate their entire lives to these parks this but again these, like... that's that's part of the predatory aspect to him as well he come he comes to these people who are just out of prison or have had a bit of trouble somewhere and he presents himself yeah. as this like savior someone who's just trying to help and then they get sort of interwoven into this weird grotty life that he has sort of built for himself to be fair to him like i didn't get the impression from any of the stuff working for him that they were unhappy with the arrangement and they they seemed to like him but Mm. you're right it's quite predatory in the way he sources his people um so in episode two we see the introduction of in my opinion, the character that most almost goes under the radar a little bit, like I think would also make a fascinating documentary if you focused exclusively on him. And it's everyone's favourite doc, Doc Antle, um, who runs, literally runs what can only be described as, and I've, I've written it in my notes here, as a <laughs> crazy tiger sex cult. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. But if you're, so all of these facilities, right, they don't look amazing. They're not amazing environments for these animals to be living in. Maybe they have enough room. I mean, I, we don't really see that much of Carol Baskin's, um, yeah. uh, uh, I don't know, facility. But of all, all of them, no, weirdly, the crazy tiger sex cult guy, his facility looks amazing compared to the others. Now, I don't know if that's because a lot of it's hidden from view, as with, as with a lot of the others. Well, but, yeah, with him, it's you... You see a lot of him basically walking the animals outside of enclosures and riding elephants <laughs> and and being with yeah. his 14 wives and women or whatever, however many there are. <laughs> yeah. But straight, like, um, like all the characters in it, though, straight away, like others took about 30 seconds or two minutes before you thought, what a weirdo. This guy appeared on my screen. I was like, oh, my God. God, this guy is insane. Just from the look in his eye, you're like, <laughs> yeah. okay, this guy is going <laughs> to yeah. run some sort of, as you put it, crazy tiger, sex cult, sanctuary, harem, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yeah, again, he kind of defies, he's like kind of a very exaggerated character, but he's got like an icy cold, you know, steeliness about him. And, you know, it's all very calculated and he's all got everything very under control, yeah, with, even though he's with... under control is uh, a crazy tiger sex cult. With every character in this, though, like, because there's like for example fast forwarding a bit to uh, the funeral of one character who unfortunately it's a sad aspect of this but someone does lose their life at one point in this but there's all these people at this funeral 
and it makes the thing I was questioning all along was like the people who are around these weirdos are they not thinking you know this guy's a weirdo and also these weirdos do they not realize what weirdos they are <laughs> like it's fascinating it seems to me like there's no self-awareness from any of them whatsoever like no. if i was if i was bhagavan <laughs> as he calls himself <laughs> right i would i would look at myself in the mirror every morning and think what a weirdo or at least the people around me someone would say you know you're a little bit odd this is not this is not normal what is happening here your life is not normal yeah. i just don't get how with all these people involved in this how there is that aspects of it where it's like these people are suckered into this life but i don't see a lot of the time how normal people can be dragged in to that kind of life so there is one um lady who's interviewed on this who used to yes yeah. work at um Parkavan's um establishment who pretty much just you know to get ahead in this in this part you know you're encouraged to sleep with him he mm. made he made he made her get breast implants yes. he chose what they wore he changed their names it's it's just all very strange she seemed fairly normal how there must have been something he did at the start which i'm really like she sounded from what came across from her she sounded quite hippy dippy and she was quite new age and like she was into like new age healing techniques and meditation and all of that and he sort of advertised himself to her as someone who was really into that so i'm wondering if it's that sort of they get a grip on these people who might be vulnerable and once that like grip has been made once they've got that hook then all the weirdness comes out afterwards I mean, another thing I was noticing about the early episodes as well was the focus seemed a bit more spread out. So there were, you know, there was there was more focus on on Doc Antle. There was more focus on um, I forget the the guy's name, but he was a former drug um, drug dealer um, who ran like a cocaine business with his father who also happened to love collecting exotic animals <laughs> and then had his own kind of like private collection um but as the episodes go on and as kind of joe exotic and carol baskin almost by force of personality but also by the way the kind of events kind of un un unfolded um the narrative kind of you know, focused, hyper-focused on their feud um, and away from some of these other characters, which you could almost feel like there could be more to see um, on these other characters. But it's it's almost like because everything Joe Exotic is so kind of already out there for all to see and they record everything and he has his producer <laughs> on there who basically admits that he, he's another one who kind of comes across as like, I was basically there just to make money off these people. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, which is quite bad in itself, but at least he had like some self-awareness. Um, and I think the thing with like the second episode, what the, the real sudden turn at the end is what kind of like almost took you in. Uh, <laughs> all of a sudden, at the end, I said like, "Oh yeah, and by the way, Carol Baskin probably killed her husband and fed, fed him to tigers." Yeah. <laughs> like what? And then the episode ends. It's like a classic Netflix trick. But, <laughs> but yeah. Let's go back a bit, rewind to the very start of that episode where Saf, as we were talking, lost his arm to having through having it 
what was he doing? He was poking his arm through a cage and a tiger basically just tore it off or was yeah. ripping it or a lion or something like that. And I think that's the... Everyone's been pointing out this line, but the line from Joe Exotic, which describes his character and how he actually thinks towards his friends, his workers, his family, whatever. He says, and I quote... I'm never going to recover financially from this. Yeah. And it almost seems like, so um, I can't remember if it was in this documentary or the Louis Theroux one. Um, I think it was this one, whereas at the end, it almost kind of highlights that, you know, when he was starting out, there did, def- there did seem to be more of a, um, um, the setting up of his park, there did seem to be more of a focus on, on the conservation element of it and the fact that, you know, he just loved tigers and wanted to pre- and wanted to, like, you know, have tigers and, and rescue tigers. But then as as the park grew and as the, as the story built, he became gradually more obsessed with just the financial element of it and making money off it and being the centre of attention himself and the care for the tigers fell, like, was, like, almost a secondary concern. Um, I think that is that is what that's almost a thing about him and that's a similarity between him and Carol Baskin in a way like she it's she's very aware of her own self-image as well and that is what he he is like and as ever in stories like this it is that they're so alike but they're the biggest of enemies in many ways yeah because yeah it's the same thing as it she's she's very keen to kind of yeah publicize herself as you know this i don't know um flower crowned queen her. yeah um i mean she's just a very strange woman um but we'll get into that so episode three is the um is the uh, i've dubbed it the carol baskin murderer question mark episode <laughs> is that what you've written murderer I mean, one thing I kind of want to get out there, though, is that Carol Baskin's ex-husband, uh, what's called Don Lewis, he was a pretty shady guy. And so even though, you know, there's a lot of kind of like circumstantial kind of anecdotal kind of speculation that Carol Baskin had him murdered and, as Joe Exotic says, put him in a septic tank. <laughs> but there were a couple of theories, wasn't there? Yeah. Like he was um, either un- buried underneath a septic tank or she fed him to the tigers, is what yeah. Doc Bhargavan. What, what was, what's his surname again? Sorry, Bhargavan? Antle. Doc Antle, that's right. I keep calling him Doc Barnavan. <laughs> but he calls himself yeah. Barnavan. <laughs> which is what his, his real actual name. name is. Can you remember? Because what was Barnavan's got like. What was it the meaning means, of it? Yeah, it means Lord or um, like <laughs> like God or something like basically that. Basically, God. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> which says a lot about his character uh, in yeah. the first place. This. So, as I said, you are listening to this is a review with David Stone and Ian Stone, and we are doing our first review of the Tiger King: Madness, Mayhem, and Murder. Is it in that order? It's something like that, yeah. Something I, like I can't remember. remember. Yeah, oh, I know. It's I've always hard. Triple M. <laughs> yeah. Triple M. Tiger King, Triple M. So we were just talking about the, well, what was the sort of cliffhanger at the end of episode two going into episode three, which was Carol Raskin's husband. What on earth happened to him? So, so yeah, he mysteriously disappears in 1997. Um 
and i mean the episode kind of goes through the history of like how she met him and, and you do hear a bit about carol's you know own backstory how she was um i think she was raped when she was 14 he came from a very um, which is again which is with all of these characters it's always the case but there's a very sad background to all of them oh yeah and again you can see why that shapes their character uh somewhat with a lot of them but then it breeds into something much more i think she had just uh, she just right run out after having an argument with her abusive ex-husband that's right so she was in like Um, with a a child and a husband and she'd had enough and she'd run out and she was on the streets and this guy pulls up in the car sees her distress and asks her to get in the car to talk to him which is a bit weird and then she says no and then she says no several times and then eventually he pulls up alongside her puts his gun on the passenger seats and is like come and sit in my car you can point this gun at me the whole time whilst you talk to yeah. me which is which as is romance a- stories goes is a bit weird <laughs> yeah so this guy turns out to be you know multi-millionaire um with I've never, i don't think it's explained where he gets his money from but they um start purchasing um they start purchasing animal lynxes and it's, it's worth um, pointing out as well but he is adventure. much older than her oh yeah he's like what he must be 20 maybe 20 like years her senior years or something something like that yeah he he seems like a pretty shady guy but they they set up um this uh again similar to joe exotics kind of like roadside animal park zoo thing um and it turns out that in her past uh carol baskin uh, park and the way it was run seems very similar to um, the people she's now trying to shut down um, how much of that is kind of driven by her husband and how much of that is driven by her is kind of it's kind of up in the air a bit um, mm. but the long and the short of it is he, he mysteriously disappears and uh, yeah she the, the, the fingers um, from the her rivals seem to be <laughs> pointed directly at her there was um something about how um his van turned up at an airport but it an airfield seems so yeah like it was plant airfield it seems like it was planted there yeah so it right. wasn't investigated properly um obviously no bodies have ever been found and there was something about really how about um how... well i was going to say there was something about how he had a pilot's license but it hadn't been renewed or it'd been revoked or something this is a revelation carol made and that that sort of was quite convenient for why there was no trace of him flying off anywhere and that's what she says she reckons he flew off to costa rica and he flew under the radars because he knew how to do that what kind of what kind of raises my eyebrows a bit are her reactions like every time she's interviewed about it are very bizarre there's a lot mm. of like awkward laughter there's very little kind of genuine kind of you know um grief or mourning and to be fair it is kind of mentioned in the episode that they were not getting along so maybe maybe she's not like completely broken up about it anyway just because she didn't actually like him very much but her reactions are very bizarre <laughs> 
and, and always focused on kind of deflecting like <laughs> it could not have been the septic tank because i can't remember what the reason was but like it, the way she, she laughs kind of laughs, laughs, laughs everything off yeah that's what it is yeah and she really she has weird. she has an explanation for everything but even then it's sort of tinged with a joke isn't it yeah it was like there was something about where she's like, I'll oh, covered him in sardine oil and fed him to the tigers, was <laughs> yeah. what, and she was almost very blasé and ha 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 ha, like I could have possibly yeah. done that. And then there was a thing um, with the meat grinder as well, where they were all saying, oh, yeah. she's putting through the meat grinder, and she's like, ha 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 ha, my meat grinder's far too small, I can fit a human body in there, ha 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 ha. <laughs> yeah, so, but yeah, um, just imagine being that, that woman's new husband. And just like, if there was any semblance of a rumor around someone, like you have to be pretty damn committed to say, I believe you 100% and not like be really, really scared of that person. So he must absolutely categorically yeah. believe, but she didn't do it. I mean, the thing is, there's no physical evidence is there. So no. it's one of those things that they can reopen the case, but you'll never know. I mean, it is a, it is very weird. And I, and then I think the, the icing on top was the fact that they um they broke into his um exec his uh, PA's office and um you know changed the changed his will and the power of attorney to say That's um right. on my disappearance everything goes to Carol Baskin basically and it had the disappearance <laughs> written on it and the lawyer was like in all my years I'd never seen someone yeah. write disappearance in their last will and testimony yeah um but yeah. of course um, during this story as well they have his ex-wife and daughters come into the frame as well. And <laughs> speaking of all the memes around this situation, one of the memes that I've seen surrounding her, his ex-wife and daughters is the fact that his ex-wife and one of the daughters are sitting on this chair, this piece of furniture, and it's a very odd size. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> what kind of sofa is this? Because it's almost like a chair that's designed for one and a half people. And these two people are squeezed, squeezed completely onto this tiny chair or this tiny sofa, whatever you want to call it. And to be honest, I think that's a mystery I want solved. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I said I saw the tangent. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. There were two more things I think I want to mention from 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 this from this um part of this of the series i mean and also i'm just thinking back to like what we've discussed we're only pretty much halfway through like all of the stuff it's yeah. like crazy um one of them is um I, I wrote my notes here oh god her goofy husband i think this must have been when they were showing the <laughs> pictures from when they first met and he was like just the goofiest man i've ever seen in my life well their marriage uh, as well their their marriage ceremony where he appears to be dressed as tarzan and she's got him on a leash in their wedding photo <laughs> and that that was one of those moments where um i just thought this program absolutely perfectly describes what america is when you see those wedding photos <laughs> yeah that is true um and then the thing we haven't mentioned yet is um joe exotic's music career and his music <laughs> video <laughs> for here kitty kitty <laughs> oh my god speaking of here yeah. kitty kitty that woman they got as a look-alike is the yeah. worst spitting i've never seen a better look-alike i was yeah. half that i'm half convinced but in fact she's in on the deal and that was actually <laughs> her in the music video yeah. like you could not tell the difference between these two women yeah <laughs> yeah that is um yeah 
I mean, his singing, that was, that's not his real singing voice, very no. obviously. Uh, <laughs> his music videos, I don't know what else to say, really. I, 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 yeah, I'm lost for words. Watching his music um, videos, again, is one of those things where I'm like, do these people just not look in the mirror for five minutes and go, oh my God, I'm a weirdo. <laughs> you know, just like, it's that typical sort of only in America kind of music video, quite like made in quite an amateurish way with guys looking on the, into the distance into the sun and the breeze and the lakes and into the tiger cage yeah and why would you write a song based around your hatred for someone and the fact that you think they might have murdered their husband i mean i guess it's a great story arc of anything else for the song this is a review so moving on, so we then kind of get into so like moving on to like the last kind of few episodes. I mean, so much happens, but we kind of basically this feud of Carol Baskin uh, continues to escalate with um, with uh, Joe Exotic's increasing kind of obsession with becoming famous and being the centre of attention, and he does all of these this random media stuff with his producer, where they start kind of. Um, basically plagiarizing um carol baskin stuff not the smartest idea um because i then get sued for a million dollars and lose heavily this is like <laughs> this is like the turning point in the whole story and this is a point that made me think oh my god this guy who came to make this documentary has been filming him for all of these years now and now it's become something else entirely like yeah. there's actually been legal action between the two and this guy is losing all of his money and it's so poetic in a way it's like you could not write this in the film you go back to that moment where Saf had his arm bitten and he goes i can i'm never going to recover financially from this and oh boy did he never recover financially no i mean he always seems to be on the verge of bankruptcy anyway yeah um I've just seen one meme on Twitter actually recently where um, someone was saying like when Carol Baskin won the lawsuit and she was awarded $1 billion, someone said, why didn't she just ask for the cats instead of his that's why I don't. That's what I don't get. And that's what's so weird about her. Is That's immediately what everyone thought, I think, when they saw yeah. that. It's like, oh my God, if she really cares about the tigers, why at this moment is she not saying, yeah. right, I want all of your cats. I want to protect these cats, get them away from you. Uh, that's part yeah. of, that was she never i can't believe like if you cared that much about the big cats why that wouldn't be the first thing like yeah. on your terms <clears throat> of settlement i want all of your animals because i want to rescue them and arguably by by doing that by kind of pushing him into that position he's then forced to effectively you know because he's it, sometimes he comes across as a bit dense because he then basically <laughs> lets his part be taken over by someone who arguably is even worse. <laughs> Here comes Jeff Lowe. <laughs> oh, Jeff Lowe. Oh, my God. The word sleazy does not begin to describe this guy. I mean, honestly, like, in these HR episodes, this is when, you know, like, it was like... the. The episodes up to this point, it was a bit funny, to be honest. Like, most of it was like, you know, 
it's hilarious how like this guy wants to be a country music singer mm-hmm. you know it's all about him he's like such a wacky character carol baskin maybe murdered her husband it's quite funny really in a way i mean it's not the the actual death of, of a guy isn't funny but like no. the story does seem to be quite humorous and then you kind of suddenly see you know quite obvious animal abuses going on you suddenly realize that actually this is like quite horrifying stuff mm. so you kind of see him taking the there's a scene where i think um I can't remember what episode it's in, but he, he takes the cub away from the newborn cub away mm. from the from a tiger, um, and they do that because they want to make sure the, the 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 cub is as domesticated as possible, and so it kind of trusts people. That's why they do it, but it's still yeah, pretty it's, horrific. It's so the cub sees him as the mother, yeah, basically um, instead of the actual mother of the cub. But then you see like this Jeff Logeist shoving um tiger cubs into suitcases so he can you know get um women party, to party with them in las vegas yeah. in las vegas i mean the guy's a sleazeball i mean like the he's you know <laughs> he like goes there you know he's you know comes on to younger women who are you know way too young for him um i don't know if you saw how like he kind of talked to his wife at various points who was pregnant oh, yes. yes and he but... was saying like you need to lose weight once you get lose the baby it's like my god yeah and also back. he's like he's only letting her have a nanny for their unborn child on the proviso that she is attractive and he yeah. makes quite evidently clear to his wife as well that he's going to cheat on her with this nanny like this yeah. It's, oh my god! Yeah. And this guy, this yeah. guy came with a criminal past as well. There's like, I mean, a lot of them have criminal pasts. It's where you also start seeing these other characters who I can't quite remember their roles in it. But you have the the fat guy who rides on the jet ski again, James, <laughs> the hero. Something. If there's if there's a protagonist in this whole thing, uh, um, you get introduced to um, the handyman. Who yes. kind of fits into the murder plot later, um, right near the end. Um, mm. Whose name I've forgotten already. Uh, oh, James Ga- James Garretson's the the fat guy. Um, Alan Glover, that's the guy. Alan Glover, um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, you're also introduced to um, Tim Stark, who kind of is once Jeff, Jeff brings in. Yeah, Jeff brings in once he wants to get rid of um joe because as we find out in the next episode um jeff not jeff low um joe exotic decides he wants to run for president <laughs> as a libertarian because of reasons well he didn't know what <laughs> as the campaign manager which he found in the gun aisle of walmart walmart yeah quite obviously state, uh, actually states um he doesn't know what a libertarian is <laughs> he still yeah. doesn't know what libertarianism is but he's going to run as a libertarian I mean, because yeah his run for president doesn't get very far though so he runs for governor instead that's right um, and advertises with what condoms with his face plastered on them that's right yeah um he just says i he basically he's just he just acts like joe exotic you know um the only law he cares about is that is the law that carol baskin has been lobbying for to kind of restrict um basically to ban these private zoos so that's basically his only policy so, so he's kind of like trying to get elected on by sheer force of personality. And don't forget, before he runs f- runs for governor, he's already in financial ruin at this point as well. So yeah. it's like he's he thinks a good thing to do at this point is to 
you know again it's like all these people profess to care for their animals but at the same time they're like well i need all this money for animals but i'll just waste another few hundred thousand pounds running for governor of oklahoma oh yeah well precisely and um i find i think like what sums up this documentary more than anything is that possibly the most sane person in the entire documentary is a libertarian campaign manager that Joe Exotic found in the ammo section at Walmart. It, he's your most kind of like sane person. It's like, that's Ugh. kind of saying a lot. This. 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 Is a review. You're listening to this is a review with David Stone and Ian Stone. Of course, we are reviewing the Tiger King, the Triple M, because I can't remember the order that the madness, mayhem, and the murder comes in at. But there we go. But yeah, yeah, these um, these husbands. Now, the first husband, the really tatted up guy. The first thing I noticed about his appearances in the entire documentary were the fact that I don't think he once wears a shirt. I think, I think, right, if I'm going to be interviewed for a documentary series which is going out on Netflix to millions of people, I, <laughs> like, does is that the state he thinks, I look my best like this, I'm going to sit I mean, leaning backwards in a grotty armchair with no shirt on. Like, I mean, maybe he, that is him He's obviously best. proud of his tats. I, I, I just, like... I guess it's the way people think differently to me, but I'd put a shirt on, I think. But there we go. But yes, that's husband number one. And then the sad story, of course, really, is husband number two, who is, again, this young down and out that Joe Exotic finds named Travis Maldonado. He sort of basically is a drug addict. He lives not really doing any work on Joe Exotic's estate or anything, just basically goes around shooting and taking drugs all the time and from quite a lot of the video stuff is just high as a kite constantly um and then of course that leads to what becomes his tragic death essentially yeah and so there's a lot of kind of ambiguity about that as well isn't there so he would so he was obviously high on drugs you know pretty much all of the time and the campaign manager was saying that he would he would like turn up and then point a gun at his head you know for a joke or whatever i don't know and he'd like pull the trigger on an empty clip or something and then he did it on his own head in front of the campaign manager which is another amazing point of the story by the way we were talking earlier about how everything is caught on camera and they've actually got this moment caught on cctv from the park where the campaign manager is sitting in his chair you cut this is why it's almost so unbelievable you couldn't make it up the campaign manager is sitting there in his chair you can't see Travis himself on camera, but you just see the reaction from I this know, guy to it. And it's the most... It's it is, but But yeah. again, as he describes himself, it's like... he When you watch CCTV, he doesn't react in the way that you'd expect someone to react to that kind of thing, like you would see in the movies. Like, he almost, yeah. like, doesn't react at all because he's like, oh, he's just fooling around. And then it suddenly becomes apparent to him that this is actually very real. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, it's it's incredible how much of this is caught on, on camera. Um, and just how many, like, I mean, 
we've gone through a lot of stuff. Mm. We haven't even really got to, like the main meat of the of the story, which is the kind of um, the murder for hire, um, the murder for hire trial, which uh, eventually leads to Joe's um, imprisonment for 22 years, where he effectively all the time in a kind of half non-jokey way. Um, would joke about, you know, killing Carol Baskin or arranging for her to be killed. And he's always and... constantly talking about it, filming videos of himself shooting yeah. an effigy of Carol Baskin in the head. Yeah. Like, because he has this internet series, of course, which is uh, another sort of overriding theme of the show, which is, again, his way of... Presumably it's exploding on YouTube right now. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. I wonder if, the, yeah, the back footage must be, yeah, fascinating to watch back. Yeah. only played um, against him basically in this uh murder plot trial yeah um so he kind of like persistently apparently is kind of prompting this really again another shady kind of like uh i can't remember what his exact role in the park was it was like handyman slash security guy um, he was jeff 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 low brought him in basically like he was jeff yeah. low's right hand man um, the fact yeah. that Joe Exotic gave I mean, it shows what a weirdo he is, really, but he gave up a lot of stuff and just did everything that Jeff Lowe says is astonishing, really. Yeah, and then, and then, and then he's surprised and Jeff Lowe <laughs> stabs him in the back, who himself has such a dodgy past as well. Yeah. And, you know, and so, and so the long and the short of it is he he pay, he says he says he pay this guy five five um, five thousand uh, dollars to to kill Carol Baskin gives him three thousand dollars which he then goes to Vegas to <laughs> instead of actually going to do the deed he goes to Las Vegas to party instead and yeah. then obviously um, between them all of um, all, all of uh, Joe Exotic's former allies um, testify against him. Are either testifying because... against him or are acting as police informants to yeah. try and nail the guy down, basically, to prove that he's been plotting. Uh, the yeah. funny thing is, like, the guy who he pays as well, it's made quite evident from when he first comes on the scene that Joe Exotic hates this guy as well. So it's amazing yeah. how he then goes from hating him to, like, saying, hang on a second this guy could maybe do me a favor. And it's all because of that one moment where Joe Exotic realizes he's got this teardrop tattoo, which of course in American prisons, uh, well, I say of course, it's rumored in American prisons means that you've killed someone. So he's like, right, this guy I hate, that's my guy. <laughs> I guess. I mean, you can kind of see how the narrative of the show is kind of, everything kind of seems to be spiraling out of control for him. Um, and he gets increasingly desperate, um, and that's kind of how he ends up going down this path. It's just very, yeah, it's 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 an insane story. Um, <clears throat> and then all of all of his allies obviously turn on him to to dob him, him mainly to presumably to save their own skin. I think that James Garrettson guy basically says as much himself. Yeah, Jeff um, Jeff Lowe as well, and uh, just all of these characters. And of course, the saddest part as well is uh, the guy who's like the site manager, the GW. John John Reinke? John Reinke, Reinke. that's right. But yeah, that's almost like the saddest part of this. Um, it's revealed at the end yeah. that John has, after this all, has uh, left like a long-term manage, is now living in a trailer, and specifically says that 
he's going to buy a pair of trousers for the first time in years so for when he has to testify at the trial and at the end it's made apparent that he in fact wasn't called to testify and it's just like yeah that's like they're almost i think it's credit to the documentary in a way that he's like almost a great metaphor for the entire story but there are victims on yeah. the back of all of this and he is for sure one of them and like but hopefully there's a, a turnaround for people like him and for the tigers maybe yeah well well ultimately there as, as i kind of said at the beginning like to kind of sum up my thoughts on it it's it's kind of sad that the the tigers are the ones that you know there's there's not much focus on their suffering and it's it's kind of like this ridiculous human story that kind of and the personalities involved that take over but i guess the reason for that is if you're going to be crazy enough to um make your own private zoo and buy and breed tigers and play with tiger cubs and go through all of this nonsense you kind of are likely to be kind of crazy and and, and it's it's always and, gonna end, egotist. and it's always going to end in tears as well and through all of those years that that documentary well, maker was making them that's the thing like what what has actually happened for the conservation of these animals in a way for those well, private nothing. zoos exactly those private yeah. zoos still exist people like bhagavan <laughs> are still around <laughs> like bhagavan manipulating issues. manipulating people and having these animals and these crazy laws in america still exists where people can own tigers in this way and chimps and all sorts of animals yeah. even though don't forget these animals are dangerous as well not only but they're not in their natural habitats like they're a danger to the humans owning them uh i went back afterwards and watched a louis through documentary with him and by the way joe exotic doesn't come across as half as weird in that i thought as he does no. but this is like almost at the very start of all of this but then i mean even then there was like stories of these people in that documentary looking after chimps and there was this woman who ran this place where she breached chimps and one of her chimps had ripped a woman's face literally off which is yeah. to think of these these kind of zoos people are allowed to keep these wild animals still is just amazing and it just goes to show but all of that blood that was shed people dying murder plots tears weirdos people committing suicide unfortunately uh we haven't even got into the fact that it's it was alleged that all of his husbands were actually straight and he'd just groomed them to be with him which another guy left one of the husbands left him to be with a receptionist or something who was a woman at the yeah. park which is crazy That's there is so much stuff going on. I mean, we went into quite a lot of detail, I think, into what happened yeah, in this and, documentary. But again, and that's... And we, there's that, so much. And it's that's what I said. Insane. The sad thing with all of it is, like, no tigers were saved. One man is dead because of it, let's face it. One man is in prison. And then there's also this other missing man and this other woman and rumours about her and everyone's got their own theory on the internet. Uh, but what is actually solved in the end is the sad thing, I think. Yeah, it's, I mean, if you haven't already seen it and you still want to, having heard us spoil the whole thing for you, yeah. <laughs> um, I would still highly recommend it. It's It's just like... I don't know if I feel good about myself after watching it because it's quite. Because you you do, but that's it's... I think that's what makes a good documentary, isn't it? Though it does make you feel all sorts of emotions. Like you're yeah. laughing a lot of the way through, but also like this is just so sad in like, a way, yeah. but so weird at the same time. It's 
yeah, it's weird. And so, and it's, I kind of said at the start, like, I'm not really sure, yeah, how to feel about it. Because, like, elements of it, I guess, are quite funny. But at the same time, it's kind of horrifying and weird and sad. And ultimately, yes, you're right. That's what makes the great documentary. But it means, like, if I was to grade, I can't grade it like I would grade a movie mm. or a grade a normal TV series. Because you, I just don't feel it's appropriate because you just can't. It's just... Well, I think it's just an experience, really. I, with I, this, I don't know how to describe it. With this story, uh, as has been proven through the many years they made this documentary, there is more to come from it, I'm sure. And so I think we will decide whether it's a groundbreaking documentary in the years to come, because it will be, well, did this actually change anything? Did this change anything for the Tigers? Did this change any sort of laws in America with guns? And, oh my God, Ian, we didn't even, I just, we didn't even mention, like, I feel like we haven't done credit to the amount of gun toting in this well, documentary he... <laughs> the, the the fun I, I, we're talking about the funny bits the funniest thing in the whole series to me was when he's running his uh, presidential campaign and <laughs> what he does is he's got like some guy interviewing him for a magazine or television or something he puts a small canister of explosives on top of a log inside a motorcycle helmet shoots it watches it explode and says this is how we solve isis <laughs> <laughs> and i was like okay actually if there's anything for oh, anything in the whole program that makes you think my god what a bunch of weirdos that that is the best way just show them that like 30 second clip it's the funniest scariest weirdest thing i've seen and it's like this guy actually believes that this small can of explosives inside a motorcycle helmet is going to destroy ISIS, doesn't he? He actually <laughs> believes this. Um, uh, the guns are, <laughs> of all of the craziness, the least surprising thing about this documentary. Exactly. And considering again, considering it, it's from America. And it, again, if it wasn't so funny, it would be sad. That's the thing. Uh, I mean, it's, it, it's funny and sad at the same time. Yeah. I think that's it's it's depressing. Yeah, you can't take your eyes off it. It's it's an experience, that's for sure. Well, with all that said, it's time to wrap up. Uh, thanks to you, Ian, for doing this first of these shows in these, as we said, tricky times. We are isolated from each other. We're on different ends of the phone line here. I'm in my makeshift studio in Ealing. We're thinking about doing WrestleMania, of all things, next, which is a story in itself. So anyway, and thanks for joining us. Hopefully uh, we can do this again. Yep, let's do it again. Plenty of stuff to review, so no end, no end, no shortage of the content for us, I'm sure. Yeah, so guys, stay tuned and keep listening to us here. And I can well and truly say that that was a review. 